on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% L.A. Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, L.A. Galaxy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Thursday, April 21st. LA Galaxy getting ready for Nashville. First night game under the lights. Lots of flashing lights. I would say first night game, but Tuesday night, the lights were on too. But, you know, we're calling it real real night game, Nashville. We're going to recap that U.S. Open Cup victory over the San Diego Loyal. Landon Donovan in town. We have some good sound from him. Uh, we'll make sure that we'll get to that as well. Um, MLS All-Star announcements, some stats, some other things that are in there. Papusas. We got a whole bunch of stuff to get to. A whole bunch of things to talk about and to help me do that. I am so excited. We have been secretly planning this for months. We have been talking about it. If it happened, it was going to happen. And we were like, when it, when it goes, we're going to do it. So please welcome back to the show. We're so excited to have her back. Spectrum Sportsnet sideline reporter, Miss Nikki K. Nikki, how are you doing? Oh, Josh, it is my pleasure, my honor to be back. It feels great to be joining Corner of the Galaxy. And uh, I've been listening all season long, all off season long, and really, really stoked to uh, finally be joining you in these virtual studios. I was going to say, you were like five minutes from, from this current studio, and you had to drive all the way back, and then you scrambled to get there, and I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. But, you know, you and I have been talking for a while. We didn't know if Spectrum was going to get it. We, were, we had some fingers crossed that it was going to happen. Um, it did, um, and now you're back. So, I mean, are, are you excited to be back? I know you are because you told me, but tell everybody else. I'm, I'm so thrilled. You know, covering this team has been so fun. The, the Galaxy community, all the fans, uh, it, it's truly special. And everyone's welcomed me with open arms. You've welcomed me with open arms beginning from the get-go and uh, have really, truly made covering uh, this, this group entertaining and, and enjoyable. And, you know, as we parse through the lingo of Greg Vanny and as we learn what this team is or isn't capable of, um, it's, it's kind of fun to see them have some chemistry coming into this season. Right. And I think a more solid foundation than they did last year. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was sort of reflecting on that just because um, I, I was like, well, you know, I'll, we'll talk to talk to Nikki about what sort of what this team has done through the first seven games and, you know, what she's seeing and that type of thing. And I was like, you know, I need to see that, too. What has this team done? And I feel like they made incremental steps last year. And then instead of resetting and having to make those same steps over again, they just sort of picked up right where they left off. 
And I feel like not enough people acknowledge the progress that was made from the beginning of last year to sort of where they're at right now. This feels like a different team. Um, and, and at least to me, what, what have you seen? I absolutely agree with you. And I think last year what was lost in the fold was as new players were constantly welcomed in and then breaks were hit and then injuries happened. It was like we saw flashes of what they could be and then it, it seemed like the team was constantly underachieving after that when really maybe they overachieved to begin with. Right. Right. So now this season and, you know, I I can relate to it coming in. There's a foundation there, right? Like. Last year, I felt like I was coming in, meeting a bunch of new people virtually over Zoom and kind of getting to know this this whole community and this history of this franchise. And the same can be said for a lot of the new players that were brought in. But there's a definite um, camaraderie around the group of guys and the fondness with which they speak together, speak of each other. It shows a familiarity and a comfort level. And the biggest thing um, I spoke, I was speaking with Greg uh, right before last Saturday's match. Right. and. Just just talking to him and, you know, he is now able to demand more because last year, even though he told us of the style he wanted to implement, it was about culture building, familiarity, getting to know everyone. And now he says, you know, now that that's all in place, I'm able to demand more and ask more of the guys, which I think you'll start seeing as we get into uh, more games in in fluidity here. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And and you can tell that, too, just by the way that he's talking to us in the press that he's demanding more. It has to be has to be more perfect. He doesn't give out the kudos as easily as maybe he did last time. He hypes up guys who do well, but he also expects everyone to do well. So it's not like, oh, man, I'm blown away by this guy. It's like, no, I expect this from him but i'm really glad that he's meeting those levels and that that sort of that that bar that i'm setting and the bar has been raised incrementally but it's being raised in every game i feel like he raises it just a little bit more and we're going to talk about the open cup game because i think that's that's sort of important just because the lineups that the la galaxy put out for this game and sort of how he approached it shows that he's asking for more from the team, not just in the league, but he's going to ask for it more in every competition. Every time they get on the field, it's the same sort of requirement. That's that's what I feel for him whenever, whenever I look or whenever I listen to him. Yeah, no, and, and especially you look at the group of guys that he trotted out, you know, on Tuesday. And it's so funny because I think there was some scuttlebutt amongst Galaxy fans, you know, that, that he started so many starters. But today when Greg asked about that, he was like, I he's like, I honestly think that's a good thing because uh, the two guys who actually did start last game were Julian and, or on Saturday were Julian and um, Raheem. Um, Raheem. Raheem yeah. yeah, Julian and Ra. And he said, you know, Kevin didn't start. Sasha didn't mm-hmm. start. And it just goes to show how deep this team can be. Um, and, you know, Nick didn't start and Eric got some run in. And uh, so was, I, I think Ephra didn't start. So right. it's uh, it's. A true testament to kind of the uh, the caliber of of talent they've got too deep here. Yeah, it, it feels that way. A, little, a shout out to uh, Raphael, by the way, gave us a five dollar super chat. Says, "Welcome back, Nikki. Looking forward Thank to you. seeing you on Spectrum Woo-hoo. again." There you go. So a, a little super chat. We appreciate that. Uh, one nothing win for the LA Galaxy in the Open Cup. Landon Donovan, San Diego Loyal, coming up to Dignity Health Sports Park. Um, not the most entertaining game. Uh, an interesting <laughs> game, though. Uh, a chess sort of match that was playing. And I think that the Loyal was jacked up as Landon was going to have them uh, with how they played and how they were determined to continue 
continue to continually attack the LA Galaxy and really try to to throw off the Galaxy's defense and, and do those things. I think overall, when you look at and you mentioned a lot of the people who who got some minutes, you know, Eric Zavaleta. 90 minutes in this game. Greg was thankful that he got 90 minutes. He needed 90 minutes. He looked like he had concrete shoes for some of this time. That's okay. Uh, you you understand yeah. that. I, I think that's fine. And, and we can understand and put that into perspective to say, okay, Eric needs that time to be comfortable and be ready to play in the games. You know, uh, Nick DePew played fine. I, I really liked the young kids with uh, Daniel Aguirre and, and Jonathan Perez. I thought they were two of the better players on the field and they're young guys trying to fight for time. Uh, Aguirre, especially, and Greg talked about him after the game so calm under pressure able to turn away from pressure finds the easy pass keeps the ball moving um, has a little bit of techers in him as well able to, to escape and evade uh, whenever he needs to um, Dan Jovalich gets the start and lots of people have been clamoring clamoring for him to be there Kevin Cabral gets a start and the goal although I will say this uh, having watched that goal being scored Kevin made that goal look extremely hard um, even whenever it was supposed to be a tap in um, as well so um, this is you know I think people want to they always want to pick everything apart. And and I feel like yeah. in this particular case, in this uh, situation, Kevin yeah, yeah, Kevin, yeah, Kevin, <laughs> stop being such a negative Nancy. Uh, that was the first thing Nikki say what said whenever we can. She's like, Kevin was so negative on, on, on Monday. He, he gets that way. You know, he's been traveling. Yeah. He, he was probably it's hungry. Okay. We yeah. all need our nap time, Kevin. It's fine. I need a nap right now. <laughs> I should warn everybody as well. I have a, I have this cough that comes and goes. And so if you see me just pass out sideways, Nikki will take the rest of the show and everybody will be fine. So, um, don't worry about that. But um, but we got, we got a system in place. Yeah, there's a sign, a signal, everything. We're, we're good to go. Um, but with this, it, it was a good win. It's one nothing. Yes, you would have liked it to be seven nothing because it's a USL side. Um, I think Landon's team does a lot of stuff really well. Greg Vanny complimented Landon's uh, side as well. And, and sort of looking at that, Landon complimented his own side whenever he was done as well, saying, I thought, you know, we pressed them and we made them play. Um, I don't know more what more you want from a US Open Cup outside of a coach that says he's going to take this seriously, which... Uh, since I've been covering the Galley Galaxy, I'm not sure there's been one who said that. Um, so that's something very different and I think important, even though Siggy Schmidt said he was going to take it seriously. I never believed him. Greg Vanny, I believe. Um, and and I think that that's, that's, that's where this team is headed. Um, and, and you get this game. I mean, I feel like if you get a one nothing win, you get an open cup, you get the guys the minutes that they need outside of maybe playing Raheem Edwards a little bit too much or, or Julian Araujo, who said he was young today and he can run all the time. It doesn't matter. Um, I, I have no problems with this. I, do, you, do you get that feeling that this is this was perfectly fine and it kept momentum going and everything? I view it with all the similar benefits of a friendly or a scrimmage, right? You know, where where you have significant caliber intensity and competition in, in your game. I think it's wonderful. And I also think, you know what, if, if you're getting these guys, you know, like a Sasha question, some run, um, it, you know, just keeping their legs and game intellect high. Uh, it keeps it keeps the edges sharp and I'm all for it. So I, I applaud Greg Vanny for taking it seriously. And I think that's it's it's reinforcing to the whole, you know, the whole tournament and uh, the, the guys who are actually sweating out on the field, too. It, it's good to know that their coach stands behind them and wants to see quality results. Yeah. And, uh, you know, overall, I think that's that's where you sit there and say, OK, this this makes some sense. And, and that's what it is. I want to get to Greg Vanny, who spoke afterwards. And let's get to 
his audio here. We're going to hear from Greg a little bit later, too. I have some stuff queued up from the media availability, which Nikki was at today and I was not. So we're going to get that uh, firsthand. And she can certainly tell us what the vibe was out there. Um, but let's go to Greg Vanny sort of talking about the competition. I got the question. Damien and I were uh, were the main covers, uh, I, I think, in the press conference. I think it was just Damien and I who talked for most of the time um, with Greg. And so uh, here is what Greg had to say. I asked him about playing starters because, listen, he's going to say he didn't start starters, which he didn't outside of Julian Rajo and, and, and Raheem Edwards. Um, but Chicharito played in this game. He, in fact, I think he got almost 30 minutes in this game. So this is not like he didn't play guys. Uh, Grand Sur played, you know, in this game. They brought guys into the midfield, you know, who who, who are starters. So they got a lot of starters minutes. Um, whether or not that that affects them coming up on Saturday is certainly the question. And if the Galaxy fall flat, it will be up to Greg Vanny to answer that question. Uh, but here's what Greg had to say after the game. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh it's a competition that we want to be competitive in, you know, it's for us this year, it's, it's about winning trophies. This is an opportunity. So, you know, take the game serious. It's, uh, they have a good team. I, I like their team. I think they do some good things. Um, so you, you have to respect the, the opponent. You have to respect the game, you know, especially if, if you want to do something in this, in this event. So outside of that, there was, you know, there's some things like at left back, we use Rob because we really don't have another left back at the moment. So I didn't want him to, he was never going to play 90. Uh, I always had him just kind of slated for 60 and to get him off. But, uh, so that was going to happen anyways. <clears throat> I was trying to get some other guys, uh, out. Um, so, but I, I felt like by and large, we've got, we got most of our group, uh, off the field, but also the most important thing was winning the game. And, and so, you know, if, if we're, if we get more goals, then maybe guys come out a little bit earlier and we deal with it, but we wanted to win the game. So, um, yeah, that was that was it, you know. So uh, I'm trying to think of other guys who were in there. It was good to get Eric his first 90 minutes. It was good to uh, get Sash back out with the group and, and let him lead things. It was good to get Daniel and, and Johnny minutes, uh, get Dayon, you know, 80 minutes, 75, 80 minutes. Um, these were all, all positive things. Great for Kevin to get a goal. So there's a lot of positive things that uh, that came out of the situation. I think. Julie All right, there you go. We'll we'll cut Greg off there. Um, <laughs> never one for 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 a short uh, little soundbite there, Greg. We'll explain it all, which is good, by the way. It gives us lot, lots to talk about. But um, you know, Delgado played in this game. I was looking through sort of the subs and 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 how it went. Uh, you know, Leardam came into the game. Uh, Revelison came into the game. Delgado came into the game. Chicharito got you know tw uh, 13 minutes. Let's see, 13. Yeah, 13 minutes at the end. Uh, Grand Sur got about you know uh, excuse me, 23 minutes. 23 minutes for Hernandez and Grant here. So, um, you know, you look at that and I think he used Tuesday as sort of a, this is a day we train. And so we might as well let these guys go out there and run and do it. And he used the guys outside of Edwards, which I think he would have switched out. You could have played Leardam there. Uh, perhaps Leardam has a bigger role to play coming up on Saturday, however, with uh, Victor Vasquez out. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. Um, so you get those guys, you know, sort of 60 minutes, uh, you know, 90 minutes. Julian Rajo says uh, he's fine to go. There's going to be questions about it, though. If Nashville goes wrong, then it's going to be about Greg Vanny playing some starters on Tuesday night. Greg also mentioned that Tuesday night is different than Wednesday night. And if it was Wednesday night, he may have had something different to do as well. So um, a lot of different things sort of placed in there for this. But um, I, I had no problems with it. I thought the Galaxy, if you looked at the expected goals, Nikki, the Galaxy had over 2.1, I think, expected goals. So the one goal, probably not great. But I think Alvarez missed a pretty good shot 
uh, a couple times in there. Um, and then the leader sort of in expected goals was was Kevin Cabral. And as much maligned as, as Kevin Cabral is and as much um, uh, stick as he gets, um, he was the one who was creating in this game. 1.21 expected goals uh, for him. Grant Sear only came in at the end of the game and got 0.33 expected goals. Uh, you know, you sort of look at this, Efrain Alvarez with 0.16, but he was one of the key sort of offensive makers in this. So I think the Galaxy got what they wanted out of it. I'm just not sure outside of if they would have gotten paired with an MLS team coming up next, I would be more concerned sort of about how they're going to rotate through all this stuff. But I think that they're they got about as favorable a matchup as they, they sort of want. So overall we're, we're good, right? We, you take that win yeah. and, and you yeah. shuffle it. And I do want to say something positive on the note of Kevin Cabral, especially because another thing that Greg's been saying and right, I, I think we've, we've noticed this in, in the leash, the long rope he's been given uh, from last season to now in terms of building his confidence as a young player. But what Greg sees in his game right now as where it stands as a member of this team um, is what he's doing throughout the course of the entire 90 or, you know, what, however long he gets on the field and staying connected to everything that's going on on the pitch. It's what he's struggling with right now is that final action and following through and having that confidence. So if this one goal, and I know we've said it before, seeing it hit the back of the net, what it can do, but it's still um, a positive because Greg sees Sam and, and Kevin is, is very similar in terms of the the uh, positives they bring, but both in different areas. You know, Sam's got the finishing capability, but he doesn't stay as connected to the group um, in terms of making the runs and doing things to to bring the game forward. So um, I think if that's one thing to kind of add in another notch in Kev- Kevin's belt and maybe boost that confidence a little bit more, it's it's a good takeaway. Yeah, it's not bad. I thought that uh, one of the things in the chat room was talking about it was, was Dayon uh, and Dayon getting minutes, and that's important for him. Uh, as much as people want Dayon to play more than Kevin Cabral, I, I constantly remind everybody, I think every podcast now, they play two different positions, and Greg uses them in two different ways. And so for Jovalich to get time, he is more of a Chicharito replacement than he is a Kevin Cabral replacement. So in this game, you got to see him as the lone striker playing up there, uh, doing things. I thought he was completely underserved in this game. If you want to talk about a guy who probably should have had maybe two goals, it was probably Dayon. He was making good runs. He was not getting good service. Um, and I think that's you know probably a, a mechanism of just the players that they had on the field and trying to to be you know this cohesive unit, but they haven't really played together that much in this particular formation, um, or at least not in, with this personnel all around him. So it didn't click, and he was frustrated. Uh, but he ends up getting the assist with Cabral scoring, um, and so there's something there. So uh, for me, Dayon, I, I think played fine. I would just like to see him get a little more service in, in a lot of these things. Um, you know, Cabral was fine again. On the goal, he he takes an open net, basically, and toe-poked it off the post and then finished his own rebound. That's fun as well. Um, so that's always always an interesting way to do it. I, Greg was like, oh, well, it's good to get him on the board. I'm like, but is it still good if he like he missed the first one and then he set the second one? Is that still- Josh, <laughs> yes. we're a firm believer in second chances on this podcast. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> hey, he scored. Um, I, and, I think, and I think that's the, the big takeaway for this. So, I mean, overall, Galaxy do, I think, exactly what they needed to do. They have enough time. One of the things, uh, one of the other points I want to make is Greg said he wanted to really focus on getting these guys their first three games in a week, 
right? They haven't done that. It's going to be coming up. The schedule is getting busier. And so he was like, this is a way for them to remember sort of how three games in a week works and let them sort of, you know, prepare for that play and then be able to recover and have that extra day playing on a Tuesday versus playing on a Wednesday is a big deal. We always talk about how Wednesdays are usually the peak sort of as hard as they work during the week. So this time they play Tuesday, they do recovery on Wednesday, Thursday is a little ramp up again, uh, which was today. And so they got a little bit of a workout. This is probably the hardest they'll work uh, until uh, until they play the game on Saturday because Friday's a little bit lower, Saturday's walkthrough. Usually that's how that all works. So that's what we see for, for all of these things um, in, in sort of how they do it. So I think he has a plan. He worked his plan. We plan our work and work our plan. Um, he did that. did that. Now he has to see if that pays off against Nashville because that's going to be sort of the measuring stick on this. If things go wrong in Nashville and the team looks gassed, there's going to be questions. And so I'm fine. I think they did well. Now let's sort of see how that rolls uh, on for the next one. And the good news is that we already know where and who the LA Galaxy will be playing in the round of 32 as well. So the U.S. Open Cup had their draw this morning. Uh, LAFC, Portland, Cal United Strikers, and the LA Galaxy put into the same division. They uh, they chose the hosts and they chose the away teams. The LA Galaxy will travel to Cal United Strikers FC. They play at the Great Park at the soccer champion or the championship soccer stadium. I think is what they call it there, um, and that holds about five thousand people. I'm going to tell you right now, they put out a press release or, or the LA Galaxy put out a press release and they said ticket information will be coming later and it won't be coming for us. It's going to come from uh, from Cal United Strikers. So if you're interested in going to this game, again, limited attendance, I think about 5,000, possibly expandable to 7,000, if I remember correctly, because there's some open grass areas where they can sort of fill in more people if they want that type of thing. Then you're going to want to follow Cal United Strikers on Twitter. And like, I think some people were signing up for their emails and, you know, doing all that, making sure that they could get tickets for that. Um, and that game will be coming up on May 11th. It's 7.30 p.m. It's a Wednesday night uh, down in the OC. So not too far away from my house for once. Um, so I actually get to uh, to go down there and I'll try to cover that game. Um, it's a great feel. Have you been down there? Have you been down no, there? No, I soccer haven't. Stadium? That sounds awesome. It is like the coolest little stadium. I love it. Um, 5,000. I always wish the Galaxy, and this everybody knows this, the Galaxy should build like a 5,000 seat stadium out in front of the stadium and do yeah. like and, and get a women's team that plays in there. Maybe like make it eight or 9,000. Get a women's team that plays there. Uh, play Galaxy 2 games in the stadium. Like there's, you can play open cup games in that stadium if you want to do it. I'm on board, Josh. All right. let's, let's get that petition signed. All right, good. I'm glad. I'm glad everybody's on, on board with that. So um, that's what's coming up. Just the, the schedule's going around. Now, it, it's also worth noting that... Um, that there is another draw after this. We keep going, oh, is there going to be a bracket? Like, oh, so the winner of the Galaxy game will play the winner of the LAFC and Portland game. No, uh, they will go back into another regional draw in the round of 16. It's the final draw. That's it. So they will draw one more time. And then I think they draw like for home field all the way into the final. And like they flip coins and do stuff. So it, it's, cra I don't know if anybody watched the draw this morning, because of course, crazy people watch a US Open Cup draw. Um, on a Thursday morning at like 930 or whatever time it was. Um, and so that's that's where we're at. You can watch that draw take place. So after this next round, should the L.A. Galaxy be victorious over uh, Cal United Strikers? And I would like to remind everybody, Cal United Strikers is a NISA team, right? The National Independent Soccer Association. So third division uh -huh. of soccer. Uh, there are 10 professional teams in NISA. Uh, there's 11 USL League Ones. That's also 
third division, right? Uh, USL Championship has 27 teams. Major League Soccer has 28 teams. So NISA, I think they're the last NISA team, but they may not be. There may be one other NISA team um, in there. So Cal United Strikers in the third division of US Soccer, which means that the LA Galaxy, the big team, gets to go travel down to the little stadium. And that makes it so much more exciting for me. That is, that's good. It's like in Ted Lasso, right? Yeah. uh, yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. I mean, and and I was talking to Kevin about this because um, we were talking about San Diego coming in. And I said, you know, it would be a better story if the LA Galaxy had to go down and play San Diego. Like, that's the better story. So now you have the better story, which is the LA Galaxy going to play at this third division U.S. soccer side um, in order to advance into the round of 16. Uh, I think five games from here on out wins you a a U.S. Open Cup and gets you an automatic spot in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, Oh, that's awesome. So people will say that this is the easiest way into the CONCACAF Champions League. And it is... Uh, as long as you get all of the coin tosses to go your way. Any away games lessen your chance of winning. So the LA Galaxy got the best away game. So if they just have luck from here on out and get all home games, they have a very good chance of winning a U.S. Open Cup. All right, good. I'm glad glad we got through that. (laughs) So I wanted to talk about that. One of the other things that I think is is pretty interesting is that they announced today the All-Star game will be held in Minnesota. Uh, They're doing a rematch, Nikki. I'm not sure anybody asked for the rematch, but they're going to do it anyway. Uh, It is going to be Liga MX again against uh, uh, the the MLS All-Stars in Minnesota, and they put Chicharito front and center on... Imagine that. I mean, big surprise, right? It was either him or Vela, and from what we understand, Vela's contract extension with LAFC looks like it's going to go through, but they probably didn't want to put him on there in case he didn't resign, right? So <laughs> what a look, what a look, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's the All Star Game coming up. I, I'm not sure anybody cares about this, but I feel like it has a bigger worldwide pull than actual like MLS. But do you, do you? I mean, do you care about the All Star Game? You know, All Star Games have become kind of a bummer by how they're treated by the actual stars who are selected to play in them right you know so often you see the the big names opting out i guess we'll have to see who's tabbed in it and who's actually going to play in it if you tell me you know on any given day uh you know lebron james is playing and so is uh joel Embiid in you know an nba all-star game then that the allure is there but you know sometimes uh the leagues schedule the all-star games in the midst of a weird run you know, that not everyone's healthy for, not right. everyone's available for it. Yeah. So I, I go back and forth. I, I like the notion. Um, it reminds me of like the Greek gods all teaming up, you know, or, or Captain America and his crew. But the, so often it's been kind of failing as uh, what it's intended to be. I, I have always said this and, and our stance on this show has been uh, has been this. And, and I think it means adjustment. And I think Chris Tucker, my, my buddy, uh, he kind of he kind of provided the adjustment that I think is fair. If there is financial incentive for the players to go to the All-Star game, then I am all for any LA Galaxy player going to play in the All-Star game. If there's no financial incentive, they don't get a bonus or nothing like that, and it's not really important to them, then I hope none of the LA Galaxy players go to the yeah. All-Star game. I, I think if you're a diehard fan, there's no way you want your team and your guys playing in a game that doesn't mean anything in the middle of a season. Everybody's already upset a little bit about the SoFi Cup that's you know coming up and the four teams that are played there and all that fun stuff that, that's sort of going to happen. Um John, Jonathan Bond was talking about. What did the, Jonathan Bond, he said his mom was going to that game yeah, today? Yeah, yeah, I asked him, uh, you know, ha, has his mother gotten to watch any of his games live yet? And he said, not yet, but August she's coming out for a couple and actually going to be able to catch the one in SoFi. 
So, uh, you know, and, and he was warned like, hey, that might be a rowdy crowd to bring her into. But if she's used to any of, of what's going on in the United Kingdom, you know, in, in the level of uh, intensity from the fans at their match or supporters at their matches, I'm sure she'll be fine. Yeah. I, I, well, I also imagine she's going to get like VIP tickets, too. I mean, she's not yeah. going to be sitting up in the nosebleeds, you know, she <laughs> I, I, no, no, there no. were like there were tickets for like four hundred and fifty five dollars. I imagine those ones will still be open. So that's where she'll sit. They'll give her yeah. those tickets and, and, and she'll be great. So, um. I, I do. I like the notion of an all-star game. I just wish there was a time to play it where it didn't impact a schedule or anything else. And as we know, if you refuse to play in the all-star game, they automatically make you miss the next league game as well. So there's like punishment in there for you not to. That's a Zlatan punishment rule. So that's wild. It's wild. But I mean, I understand it's like the league trying to, you know, get some steam behind what it's created. But it it signifies a faulty system to begin with. Yeah, uh, the, the commercial underground goes, goes, well, maybe Jonathan Klinsman basically, or maybe Jonathan Bond won't be playing because Jonathan Klinsman will be, you know, I mean, you're going to start a B team against that game, right? Because it's in the yeah. middle of the week um, yeah. and, and, and all that fun stuff. I did find um, the, the Open Cup game that is going to be added also adds another sort of layer to what May is going to look like. So now one, two, three, four, five, six games in May coming up for the LA Galaxy. Um, and so they'll be away to Austin on May 8th and then come back and have to play three days later against Cal United. Greg Vanny mentioned that a little bit, saying it's in the middle of a, a pretty decent run for the LA Galaxy and then three days later again the LA Galaxy will be hosting FC Dallas at Dignity Health Sports Park I'm glad it wasn't sandwiched between two away games that makes it a little bit better that they came that they come back and they're able to do that but that's going to be I mean I'm starting to look at that May schedule Um, all the teams that are MLS teams I think are above the line above the playoffs that they're going to be playing and they play Austin twice um, in the month of May so there's a lot of games coming for this team and I think Maybe Greg was right to have played three games to sort of make those guys yeah. play three games and sort of be like, get used to this because this, yeah, this is what's going to happen. You know, and Josh, I do have to say, like seeing those names, it's really refreshing and fun because I, I, I think we've got those three games in the middle of May. They're on Spectrum. They're not listed because I think that might have been out before the deal right. has been official. But um, it's it's really fun to see those team names because I can't tell you how many games we called from Rio Tinto Stadium last <laughs> like between yep. Vancouver and Real Salt Lake. It felt like I was like, oh, here we go. Another draw in in, in Utah, you know, but uh, so it's it's kind of fun seeing uh the, the caliber of opponents, but like you said, Austin in there a couple of times mixed up early. Wow, they're really going Texas two step in all through the month of May. Yeah, it is all Texas all, all in May. <laughs> in Minnesota, yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas and one game in one game in Minnesota. So basically, wow. it's Austin, it's Dallas, it's Houston, it's Austin again, and there's a Minnesota game in dead center of the month as well. So um, that's a tough schedule. And as we look at April as well, just to sort of finish everything up, uh, the LA Galaxy are very close, Nikki, to having a very very good April. Um, you go up and you start this game, but I'm just, I can't, I am not, I'm not, it is not, I am not able to jinx the LA galaxy. That is an, I, I refuse to believe that. So I, I, I do it all the time. Basically everybody knows I jinx them all the time. Oh, there's real salt. Like I knew we, we were too Right. And, and they're having problems right now, just in terms, they just got knocked out of the U S open cup by a lower division team. Uh, Chicago got knocked out of the U S open cup by a lower division team. There's been some MLS teams who have, uh, laid in the egg whenever it came Mm -hmm. to some of this. Austin got knocked out by San Antonio FC, San Antonio USL side, Austin and MLS side. Um, so they got, so the cup sets were many, 
um, over the weekend and and or I should say over the over this midweek sort of span. And so we're seeing that. But I mean, also, I think when you look at those teams, they also prioritized MLS play most of the time with saying, listen, the U.S. Open Cup's great, but you know, I'm not, yeah. um, it's, it's not what we're focused on. Whereas Greg yeah. Vanny said, we're focused on winning on this. I always think that's interesting whenever you have coaches that flat out say, we know Seattle always takes it seriously, right? We know Portland always takes it seriously. There's some teams that just take us open cup seriously and you expect them to. And we may now have to Rolodex the LA galaxy into that, into that list of teams that quote unquote, take it seriously. I think it's respectable, and it also goes under the old adage, like, why would you want to practice anything less than your best, right? It just sets – it doesn't set a standard of championship mindset, uh, you know, being obsessive with it. So I'm all for it. It's – the only thing I ever say is that you can only put so many minutes on these legs, Right. Yeah. And I and I think especially when you look at Chicharito, you can only put so many minutes on his legs. He's especially one. You know, Costa didn't play in this game at all because you're not he's still coming back and you're like, no, he's not gonna play a US Open Cup game. Not yet. Maybe in the later stages he could do that. Um, but he's not there for that. So there's some guys like Victor Vasquez, even if he was healthy, which he's not, he wouldn't have played in the US Open Cup game because you're trying to limit the minutes. But you can only they're only humans. And I feel like everybody's always like, well, they're professional athletes. They should, they get tired 34 plus games. Whenever you add in us open cup, you know, this leagues cup showcase that they're going to play as well. And then you go into playoffs and everything else that adds up. Those miles add up the miles on the airplanes add up. All that stuff adds up. And eventually you can have guys that hit the wall. Um, so that's the only thing I think everybody should guard, but you, you cover a bunch of sports. You see that though, like whenever the Lakers have back to backs and you, you see yeah. that, you know, whenever the Dodgers are, you know, on a five game road swing and come back and they're exhausted, whenever they, you can see the difference in, in, in intensity. And that's why we applaud the youth of Julian Araujo, right? <laughs> but I do think also, yeah, soccer in general is, is pretty underestimated. I, I think from the, from the average sports fan who likes to look at soccer from afar and, and look at people taking flops and the drama associated with it. Uh, what's really undersold is the athleticism and the endurance you have to have to, to run what they do in a day and to, you know, play through contact and have technical tactical awareness all the time. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, somebody said, you know, all-star games are great for non-contact sports. Whenever there's mm-hmm. a contact sport, soccer is definitely a contact sport. Whenever there's a contact sport, there's it's less so. It's like the NHL All Star Game, like ends you know fourteen to twelve, um, because nobody wants to check each other because they don't want to hurt each other in an All Star Game. Yeah. So then it's not really uh, the NBA All Star Game is like one hundred and thirty seven <laughs> to one hundred and thirty two, right? I, nobody wants to play defense. Um, yeah. You know, the 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 Pro Bowl game at least is outside of the 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 regular season and is sort of at the end. But again, nobody plays defense. Nobody really hits each other and the whole deal so the only game that ever is sort of contested in any of these is usually baseball where it's like oh maybe that's a thing and they try to make it they really try to make it a thing um yeah. in baseball as well but everybody just watches the home run derby so it doesn't matter yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> amen but i mean you you do get into you know the debates like what i remember you talking about clayton kershaw it's like okay 80 pitches what's what's 20 more mm, yeah i know, know i know i know no, we're not gonna I'm go on so the, we're not angry go about the, that 
I know. I, I so and and listeners know this. I grew up playing baseball. That was my main yeah. sport. So I played soccer all the way from the time I was five all the way through high school, that type of thing. But in baseball, I actually tried to walk on in Arizona State, which never was going to happen because I didn't hey, really want to do it. You tried. You put yourself. I don't there. know if I really did. Having gone, having worked in the real world for as long as I have now, I would have much rather played a game that. But you didn't yeah. know that at the time. So I don't know how some of these kids are way more mature than I was, certainly. But um, but I play baseball. So I, I get that game. I understand it. Um, I played soccer as well, but at a higher level was baseball. Um, and so for me, I'm like, if I have a no hitter, you are not going to pull me off that mound. And it's I feel like I feel like in some ways soccer doesn't have an equivalent to that. Right. There's no like, oh, well, I'm not going to pull you like, oh, do I pull you out whenever you could get a hat trick? I mean, maybe if you're going to reach like a milestone, like you're going to score a thousand goals and you already have one goal in the day and you're like, I just need 10 more minutes. And there's all these chances and you've been really close. It's like then I'm not coming off the field. No, you can't sub me, that type of thing. But it's really hard to sort of put that into, into a baseball perspective. But I just can't imagine, um, you know, somebody not wanting to be in that position. And I think what it really boils down to, at, you know, a very caveman level is like analytic, analytics ruining our, our games, right? Like, is it taking away the magic? Because that magic is, you only have, what, 20 plus of those in the entire sports history. Let them freaking go for it you know like uh, uh, it, but, uh yeah I mean, and that's a great soccer segue as well, just in terms of the analytics and how that sort of plays into it and, and just how much of that is important. Well, I always argue that analytics are not the be all end all, but if you're not using them, I feel like you're behind um, and you're not paying attention to all the information you could. But when analytics tells you something, I always look at, you know, stats after a game and you look at something, and you're like, huh, I didn't realize that. Let me go watch that again and see if I see that in it. It's like, no, I don't. You know, um, I think uh, San Diego or excuse me, in the Chicago game, Chicago had 22 crosses and it wasn't something that registered in my head. But whenever you go back and watch it, you're like, there were a ton of defensive plays in that game to clear the ball, to keep the ball out of danger. I think there were six corners in there as well. There were probably eight to 10 set pieces. When you start adding all that, that's like 30 or 40 chances the LA Galaxy had to either clear the ball, get rid of the ball, all those different things, and they did it. And that changes my opinion of watching that sleepy, sleepy game. Because um, it was it wasn't the wasn't the best game in completely the, you know. completely on the same page. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to talk to Jonathan Bond afterwards. I thought he said the most intuitive thing. I don't think we covered it um, on Monday, and we should have. Which was he said last year. I don't know that we win this game, right? I don't know that last year's team does that. What do you see? Does that make you feel a difference from the team? I I completely see that and and you know he's very frank he doesn't sugarcoat things I mean he's he's very complimentary when he feels the compliments are deserved and I got a chance to kind of follow up with that logic you know that was you, you can tell when he's fired up and and he was he was feeling some sort of way at, right in in the mix after uh that that draw in Chicago so following up on that with him today I was like do you feel on a whole that this team's defense and and the mindset to defend is a lot more uh, present and engaged uh, than it was last year. He said, absolutely, we've grown in that that aspect. And you know who said it in a much more blunt way was Derek Williams, as, as an Irishman might too. Right. Uh, you know, he said, you know, at the beginning of the season, Greg Vanny told us, if we don't d defend, we don't got a place on this roster. So right. I think that might have lit a fire under, under their cleats, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, and again, we talk about incrementally. That's not something that I think he goes out and, and says, and, I, and certainly just by the way that the guys have reacted to that statement. 
Um, that's not something that happened last year. And it, it's mm-hmm. not like he wasn't emphasizing defense. We know he was because we talked to him about it. But he was like, first year, I can't give him too much. I got to do what I need to do. You know, the whole deal. And then this year, it's like, no, no, no. This is a standard. Either you meet it or you don't play. And I think Greg is a guy who's like, I'll play with 11 players. You, I don't care how many guys are on this roster. I need 11 guys who want to compete. And you know what? We'll play the whole year with 11 guys if that's all I can find. That's the sort of feeling I'm starting to get. That was not the feeling last year. La- yeah. Last year was a lot more leeway. Yep, absolutely. And I do think what's getting lost right now, too, in what I wanted to scream into my headphones when listening to Kevin on the podcast is like, when you when you understand that it begins with defending, right? Greg also views Jonathan Bond as the first line of the galaxy's attack, right? right? So it's like you think of this whole foundation being in place and how can they continue to build off of that? And as that core becomes stronger, they're able to move the ball forward, which is like what you were saying. The one thing it was a little bit, you know, you said there could have been more of in Chicago, but the base stayed sturdy, right? It's like, okay, that passed the first test. And so, uh, you know, fans might be frustrated that they're not seeing flashier offense, but uh, the connected of the connectedness of this team is a lot er, is more elevated than it was last year, and I think that's a really good sign moving forward. Yeah, it, it feels that way. Let's go over the uh, the standings here in the Eastern Conference. It's the Philadelphia Union, who are the cream of the crop in Major League Soccer. Two point two nine points per game, sixteen points so far. Seven games played, they're five one and one. Um, Jim Curtin's side uh, again, sort of picking up where they left off last year. Certainly, a lot of momentum getting forward, but one of the teams the Galaxy struggled with, lost at home, was Orlando City. Orlando has started to slowly rise to the top. They were a little more mid-table, um, and then they've had some good wins, some road wins, um, some road draws, and they've sort of managed to keep that momentum going for them as well. So they're up at 14 points. The New York Red Bulls, who the LA Galaxy played in preseason, and I was convinced would be a very, very bad team this year, or in third place, so it shows you how much the preseason means, or uh, how, how good I am at identifying talent whenever <laughs> we're watching. Um, so uh, Red Bulls at three, Atlanta at four, which is an interesting Brad who's on within with a season ending injury in Atlanta, uh, Toronto and Bob Bradley side at five, Montreal at six, Chicago at seven. Chicago is going to be one of those like mid table teams that we've, you know, sort of expected here for a little bit. Um, I just don't know if they're going to score any goals or, or do it. I mean, they're, Ezra is going to get them back to not being like wooden spoon territory, Nikki, but I don't know that he's going to have them, you know, in a playoff position come the end of the, the year. I Christian miles called it anti soccer soccer. And I feel like that's kind of what we saw whenever we saw the, the galaxy play Chicago. Hey, it's like, just keep, keep the oars in the water. You know, I think that's what they're worried about right now. You know, we don't have to be going in any direction, but, Keep stroking. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Um, And that's sort of where Chicago is. We go into the Western Conference uh, right now. LAFC at the top with uh, 16 points, 2.29 points per game. Uh, Then it's Austin. Uh, As we said, LA Galaxy going to play Austin twice coming up here in May. So something to watch there at 14 points. LA Galaxy in third place, 1.86 points per game. Uh, 4-2-1 getting their first draw uh, against Chicago. Then it's Dallas at four, Houston at five, uh, Salt Lake at six, and Minnesota at seven. Again, all all of the teams the LA Galaxy play coming up in May are all above the line uh, right now. Minnesota just hanging in there and their team coming up 
this week in Nashville uh, sits at number eight with 11 points. So tied with Minnesota. But the the important thing to remember about Nashville, and we're going to start talking about Nashville here in a second. The important thing to remember about Nashville is that they have not played a single home game yet. So any of these points that they're picking up now, you sort of have to grade on a curve. Um if you're supposed to, you have a better chance of winning at home. Everybody knows that, especially Major League Soccer. Home field advantage is a real thing. Um, and so far, Nashville hasn't had that, but yet they still have 11 points and they're just below the playoff line. That 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 should mean something at the end where they're going to play at home and, and probably get more wins um, than they're getting right now. So something to, to sort of watch um, as we as we go forward. And then if we look at Supporter Shield here real quick, it's LAFC and Philadelphia sort of tied up there at the top. Uh, Austin at number three, and then Orlando at number four, Galaxy at number five. Uh, Montreal rounds it out. We do the top 14 because that cuts everything in half. So Montreal, Toronto, Nashville, Atlanta, Minnesota, New York, Salt Lake, Houston, Dallas, all in that upper 50% of Major League Soccer. So, uh, Nikki, excited though? Because we have a Spectrum game coming up. Uh, against Nashville, it's under the lights. This is this is this feels like the, it's big time. It's time to go. I love it. There's there's nothing like being at live games and especially at Dignity Health Sports Park. And uh, you know when you say under the bright lights, you know it's a tried and true tradition. Uh, Josh is no matter no matter how predictable those cannons and fireworks are uh, during the national anthem, I will always jump. I jump. Be- because yeah, that is time. right about then. I am locked in on memorizing every word I'm saying for my open hit. And even though I know the national anthem's coming, I'm reciting those lines over and over my head. I'm I'm taken away by the beauty of the spectacle right. and then come the fire, the fireworks and it, she gone. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens. Well, now they do the countdown one as well, right? So they do the count. There's like 10, 9, 8. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. They're counting to boom. Yeah. And it's like, oh, <laughs> and then I jump and I'm like, okay, I'm not ready for that one yet. Um, that's not. You know, it's a wake up call. You know, you get some coffee, you get a little jolt and uh, you're ready to rumble. Yeah, that's right. Uh, $10 super chat from Patrick. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, the show is kicking butt. I always change those uh, as as usual. Great guest host, great conversation. Keep up the good work, folks. I, by the way, I got Nikki a polo for a corner of the galaxy polo. That's how much we're expecting you to be on this year. They're, they're coming. Ready. They're coming. And then next time we'll both wear our polos when we come on there. We'll look fancy like we're yeah, supposed to. Like, we got to do a live one, a midweek live one. I'm so here for it. <laughs> that was that was what uh, Nikki said. She goes, can't we do this from like, you know, a brewery or something? And like I was, a cantina. I could use yeah. a margarita while chatting about football. We're good. <laughs> that, it makes a hundred. I'm, I'm in. I like that. There's actually um, there's some options, I think, for us in Long Beach, possibly, um, that would make a ton of sense. So maybe may, we'll, we'll work on stuff. I, I always say it has to sort of be an off week for the galaxy. So that way people yeah. can go and attend and have some fun and not pay attention. But it's also fun to sort of do it before games or, or around games and in that way as well. So um, we'll certainly do that. But thanks for that, Patrick. The big news coming up. Obviously, the LA Galaxy facing off against Nashville, 7.30 p.m. 7.38 p.m. kickoff time because that's what Spectrum does. Puts it at eight <laughs> minutes after 7.30. So anytime there's a game on Spectrum, um, you can expect it at 7.38 or an eight minute after the the official quote-unquote start time is, is when that goes. Um, I try to give everybody the formula, Nikki, but I spend most of my afternoon telling people what time the game is going to start. I have to text my parents every t- morning I'm on TV. I am at, uh, well, normally I give them a two-minute 
I tell him two minutes earlier than I actually. Am. That's good. That's good. I like you know? that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so I'm well, I'm tried and true with the, the hit time. I know now when they're texting me at seven o'clock, you're not on. <laughs> not yet. I'm, com- I'm coming, mom and dad. I promise. Yeah. We all have those friends that you have to lie about start times to. It's like, yeah. hey, so we're all going to be there at 730. And then they text you at 745. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. I'll be there in like 15 minutes. They're like, that's OK. We The reservation was at eight anyway. We knew you I'm would one show of up. those friends. Oh, I'm one of friends admittedly. Oh, that's good. Okay, next time I'm just going to tell you the show starts at 7:30 yeah. then and then that, that that'll make sure that we uh that we do that. So, um but obviously this game coming up, the other big news is and I want to make sure everybody knows, uh Aftra and the Pupusas have been moved again. Um so they are going to be the southwest side of things as well near the Southwest game and the Team LA store. So pay attention to that if you want your Pupusas. And then Nikki, they threw me for a curve. I, I don't even know. I asked them where my hat was, but they came up with pupusas. It says it's a hat and it says pupusas and it says after on it. And I said, so what time do I come by to pick up my hat? I feel like I've earned it at, by, at, at this point. So um, <laughs> that's an awesome hat. Isn't that the cool? I want that hat. Like, is, that, I, is that the quasar on it too? Yeah, I think there's a little quasar next to the bird. Yes. Yes. As there should be. I, I, I'm listen. Normally I'm a guy who's like, hey, if you give me something, thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah. the whole deal. But I need that hat and they better give me that hat. That I think that that I would wear that almost every show if they gave. I need some. Me. I need some pupusas merch. You know, that, I'll probably wrap it. It's something I didn't know I needed, but now that I know it exists, I have to have it. Um, it's kind of like you got to use that ten dollar uh, that ten dollar bonus from Patrick there to buy some uh, more pupusas. By the way, and they're they're expensive, and we've talked about the reason that they are expensive, but it goes to a good cause, so I don't yeah. care. Um, the only other thing that I am missing in this studio, and I think maybe you're the person who can steal it for me. Um, is the uh, is the ball racks? You know the ball racks they put behind the goals and yeah. they put the balls. Yeah, I, yeah. I need I need those and I'll nobody see will how, give them. How clandestine! Just, just stick be... just stick it under your arm and walk. I, I no, feel... you know what I, I think would be even cooler is you know how the the ones they have on the sidelines, right? Which just hold a singular ball. Right. That's all I want. I just want the ones that yeah. hold the singular ball. I just yeah. I need one because I think the greatest ever thing that ever happened to uh, to soccer is in the League's Cup they started mandating ball racks. Like there was a line in there. It says yeah. there must be these ball racks and i'm like i need those ball racks i'm a huge ball rack fan so it makes um, it look look like a quidditch match to me i'm like <laughs> oh wow we've got we've got all sorts of you know like this is this yes. is wild yes yeah. that's i need a shirt that says i love ball racks because i would wear that as well <laughs> that's i don't know how people would take that but that is what that is you what I'm, <laughs> I'm expecting by the way patrick <laughs> says i expect the mon- that money is used to buy pupusas so that's good um 738 is the kickoff time la galaxy versus nashville uh first meeting ever i was like let me go and look and see how these two teams have played against each other oh wait they haven't uh a good friend of the show pam texted me before the chicago game and i think dc united was playing um miami or 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 one of the other oh charlotte they were playing charlotte and they played charlotte and dc united was the first team to ever play all mls teams and pam texts me and she goes how are the galaxy not on this list and i'm like i don't know and then as i was looking this up i'm like they haven't played nashville wow they've never played nashville so that's why they were history weren't. history right um so so uh the the big deal here obviously first time they're meeting the fact they're in the western conference that they'll meet twice and then the other like the third big deal here is of course uh big dave romney who was a fixture for the la galaxy for so many years is a highlight on the, on nashville's defense defense and so he'll be back for the 
the first time since going to Nashville as well, which been a couple of years. So that'll sort of be fun to watch. Um, and we'll talk about Dave here in a little bit, too, because uh, Dave has a nasty habit of being involved in goal scoring plays. Um, and so uh, especially if you're a former L.A. Galaxy player, everybody knows what that means. Uh, he'll score three or four uh, probably. So if we look at Nashville, though, and what they've done again, all away games. So they're into their you know eighth game coming up. This is eight straight away games. They beat Seattle the opening weekend. They drew with Minnesota uh, away. They lost to Dallas two nothing. They lost to Nash uh, to Salt Lake two to one. Uh, they beat Columbus. They beat Sporting Kansas City. Uh, they drew with San Jose. So you're sort of looking at how this goes. And if you look at the last five games for these two teams, they're exactly the same. Uh, they don't, they, their records are exactly the same when they happened were exactly the same. Like I can look at this and say last five games, two, two, and one, both are two, two, and one. Uh, whenever you look at the last time they both won, it was both on April 9th against, you know, they won against sporting Kansas city, the LA galaxy won against LAFC. The last time they lost, they both lost on the same day, which was, um, you know, on, on March 19th. So there's like so many similarities, similarities between these teams that it feels a little spooky. Um, and the fact that they haven't played each other, I think this is going to be probably one of the better matchups uh, that we have seen with the LA Galaxy. Uh, LA Galaxy, a little more offensive balance, Nikki. Nashville, probably a little more defensive balance, but not as defensive as they have been. So I don't know. Super interesting. What what, have, what did you hear from Greg and everybody? And what, what were they talking about? Well, it sounds like the stars are aligning, Josh. Very cosmic uh, forces coming into Saturday's game. Um you know, I, I got to the chance to speak with Mark Delgado today, too, on a, in a one-on-one. And uh, first of all, he clarified, it's Mark, not Marky. Of course it is, because he's a grown man, Nikki, and we all know that. It's Mark Delgado, correct. But it does does Greg call him Marky? You know what? There's You know how, like, if you have a little brother or if it's you... Paternal. It's paternal. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's what that is. So he's and known him since together, he was Marky. Yeah, they've been together for such a long time. So, um, you know... I think I think what you're going to want to see from the Galaxy, especially, is staying connected through the midfield. Uh, and that was something Greg was em- emphasizing heading into Chicago's match, but uh, a little bit impossible to maintain because of the quality of field that uh, Chicago laid out there. But you know, they know that Nashville has a very uh, defensive, you know, history. Um, but I think if there's anyone to break it, it's going to be the uh, dashing runs of our poacher Chicharito, right. and and hopefully we see some other guys get involved there too. I'd love I'd love to see Douglas Costa get a little bit more involved. Um, he seems like he's finding his rhythm, uh, and then you know Kevin in terms of what he can bring in terms of stretching. But I, I'm calling uh, Efrain Alvarez coming in with the magic touch to unsettle Nashville because. That's what we've seen the magic man do time and time again in these these uh, battles. Yeah, it, it, it's so interesting. I was talking about Dave Romney. I watched and went back and watched some of the highlights from the last two games. Dave Romney has the long throw in, which the LA Galaxy fans are familiar with, but Nashville scores off that long throw in a lot, um, especially using CJ Sapong up top and sort of getting his head involved in a lot of things. Um, and so when we go back and look at these lineups, they, you know, I know Greg talked about Mukhtar. I know he talked about Liao. Nobody mentioned Sapong, but Sapong is part of that top three that they mentioned whenever it sort of comes into this. The old, you know, uh, Nashville teams, Nikki, were very defensive and they rarely came out of their shell except in sort of extreme counterattack moves. And they were successful in doing that. Uh, Gary Smith has sort of this defensive mind that that works really well. Um, and he knows sort of how to be stable on defense and not give away too many chances. Well, this year is a little different uh, with Mukhtar, with Liao. 
um, with Sapong sort of in there and with, you know, uh, Godoy as well in the, in the center or even Davis in the center, they are capable of buildups. They are capable of moving forward and scoring goals. And so when we look at these things, it's important to to sort of say as as sort of unbalanced as the Galaxy can be sometimes being more offensive. Uh, that this Nashville team is not just solely defensive. And I think Nashville is a lot more balanced than they have been in the past. And they've been causing people a lot of problems with that. They can easily score a goal. And, and Mukhtar, um, if you watch, go back, watch any of the highlights, unbelievably talented and technical in small spaces, capable of taking two-on-one and one-on-ones very easily. He creates space. He creates options. And if you leave him alone, he'll just run down the center of the field and score. So... There has to be sort of this LA Galaxy midfield, which I think we saw in the first maybe four games, but maybe we haven't seen the last three games sort of take over. Mark Delgado is extremely important in this to me. Uh, Ravellison is there. And then without Victor Vasquez, does Leardam reprise his role? Is Greg Vanny a little more defensive like he was in Chicago when Leardam comes in as that defensive midfield role? I think those are all really interesting things to sort of try to figure out how that chess match is going to go. And I think it was Jonathan Bond who was talking and saying today, uh, he said, you know, yes, it's about them, but it's about us, too. How do we want to play and how do we we want to make it more difficult for them to sort of to sort of play? So that's it, it, to me, it's a super this is one of the most exciting matches I think I've seen here from an LA Galaxy perspective, just because there's some real balance in both of these teams. And so how does that play out? Absolutely. And I think you also want to see the Galaxy continue uh, their their focus and their execution on defending set plays as well. Um, I, I think that was a huge takeaway from Chicago because last year we knew that was one of the weaknesses of this team. So I think if and that that really uh, points to a team that has grown comfortable and familiar with each other, right? And the communication is there. So um, I, I am very excited to see, hopefully the defense continues to stay elevated and locked in and engaged, but then you also see that build up in the, in the attack as well. And, and like we both mentioned, it's going to live through that midfield in, in terms of setting plays up. Let's uh, let's hear from Greg Vanny. He talked about Nashville today. Uh, John in the chat room, by the way, says, am I going to post the presser from today? Yes, I will, but probably not until tomorrow morning. So I'll get that up on YouTube. And so everybody can uh, can go through that. But it'll probably be tomorrow morning. But here is Greg Vanny speaking today uh, about what he expects from Nashville. A little long, but I think uh, worth the listen. So here he is. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, really stingy group. I mean, that's been the biggest thing is they, they have a foundation of hard work and uh, and they defend together. They don't give up much. Um, this year has been hard for them because they're on the road. So many games at the beginning of the year is always a challenge for everybody. Uh, but over the years, they've continued to add to their group. I mean, they've gotten a lot out of their, their budget. They've gone and they've gotten players who have played every bit of their ability and then they've added players like Mukhtar and Leal who are special players who who really I think generate their attacks and really get things going when they when they're in the, in the counter attack or when those guys pick up the ball facing the goal they're a handful uh, but I think by and large they're really organized and uh, everybody understands their role and they they fulfill their role for 90 minutes and that's uh they, that becomes that's a hard team to beat no matter what and you know like I said they tend to play with five in the back which sometimes can just create this wall that you can't get through especially with the size of their three center backs that they make it tough in front of the goal so the key is to try to move those guys clear some of those spaces try to open up some some opportunities to finish and then you got to manage for sure manage the two guys in transition and always know where Sapong or the striker is because those guys are 
obviously proven to put things in the back of the net, but the, the two, Leal and uh, Mukhtar, are guys who create a lot for them. All right, there you go. A little Greg Vanny talking uh, today. Uh, so here's my big concern. With Victor Vasquez out, one of the main creators on this team, uh, we've seen a lack of sort of creativity from the LA Galaxy in some ways. Uh, and so somebody needs to pick that up. Uh, and who's going to pick that up? A lot of times Chicharito dropping back can can create some of those chances. I don't have a problem with that. Lots of people do. I'm fine with it as long as he still makes his runs. He usually does it. So it's somebody like Efrain Alvarez, who is a creative sort of force on this. It's somebody like Douglas Costa, uh, especially if you're thinking that, that Costa is going to start this game, which I think is probably a pretty good bet um, for all this. So, you know, the, the problem, and Greg sort of mentioned it, you know, with five in the back. With the and we've seen the Galaxy struggle in low block defenses, trying to create and move around those defenses. Orlando did it to him. Seattle did it to him. Um, you know, Chicago did it to him as well. Um, is is sort of how to break down these guys. And a lot of times the horizontal passing, which Vanny likes because it opens up vertical spaces and things like that. Well, this Galaxy team sometimes fails to it, it create on those vertical chances. Um, and so that's going to be the big thing for me is who's going to create and who's going to take the ball vertical and be able to get in behind defenses. Grant Sir. Uh, is definitely a target uh, with his speed and his ability. Kostop's probably going to cut more inside like he likes to do and try to create from that sort of more central role whenever he goes in, which means that Julian Araujo will have a wing to sort of run on the right-hand side as well. So there's these things that the Galaxy are going to have to do, but breaking down a five-man back line, trying to catch Nashville in transition, which is hard to do. Um, and then Mike Gray talked about it in our chat room, and I think he's 100% right. Mike does a great job. I know. I think he was out there training today asking questions as well, as well today too. Uh, but Mike says, you know, Nashville is susceptible on set pieces. It's one of their weaknesses. And so can the Galaxy capitalize on set pieces? They have it very much this year, but can they? Um, what happened to Ryan Ravellis in the, the set piece header wonder? You know, let's get him in there. <laughs> the flashing, I don't know. You know, that was the, the beginning of last year. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, man, this Ravellis guy, he can score goals. And then it's sort of been crickets since then. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, Segakula Bali scored in the LAFC game. You need somebody else besides Chicharito to score, not just to take some pressure off of him, but also to open him up, uh, which is if you have to worry about more than one guy. So that's really, I mean. Listen, everybody's looking at Douglas Costa. He scored in the Chicago game. It didn't count. Chicharito scored in the Chicago game. It didn't count. They need guys to score. They need a Costa to score um, in this game, especially. And the Galaxy have done really well in games where they score first. We know that. That is their biggest predictor of sort of success is scoring first. So that's important for them as well is to make sure that Nashville isn't the one scoring first. Absolutely. I like that because it, it definitely changes the way you play when you're not playing down. Yeah. And it's I think the other thing that's important here is going to be speed. Um, yeah. Just how how the LA Galaxy utilize it in a straight line fashion, how they use it in terms of play, passing, quick passes. Delgado, super important in that center of the field as well. So uh, for me, it's a really interesting matchup because I want to see the Galaxy be able to break down that five man back line. But again, this is this is one that could go sideways, and and that's sort of where I think everybody needs to understand how good Nashville is and sort of what they're good at, and they're good in transition, um, but they can still build up as well. Let's look at uh, 538, by the way, has the LA Galaxy as the fourth best team in Major League Soccer right now, which is something different. We haven't seen that. <laughs> 
Um, and then we look at the match itself. The LA Galaxy heavily favored 48% chance to win this match. T Nashville with a 25% chance to win this match, just 27%, um, <coughs> excuse me, as a, as a chance for a draw, 27% for a draw. So the Galaxy almost 50% uh, favorites uh, to get a win in this game. That's that's a lot. And even if you looked at MLS, the Nashville is, is the heavy underdog in this game as well, on the road, traveling. Galaxy have played better. They are probably the better team. So, um, you know, for me, I, I think the Galaxy get a win. I don't know that it's pretty, um, but I, I think they can get a win. L final thoughts on sort of Nashville and everything? You know, I think it I think it has the makings of a good one, Josh. And I'm, I'm really excited, and I hope that the fans... I think it's been pretty good home attendance uh, so far this season, and I hope that that continues for Saturday night because, like you say, it's going to have the pomp and flair, and uh, right. especially with some familiar faces intermingling, it, it'll be great, and it... it you know, I don't care if wins are pretty as as long as they're fun. Yeah. That's a, we want to battle out there. So that's all that's all I'm asking for. I heard I heard limited tickets available possible on another sellout for the LA Galaxy. And I think they sold out every home game so far this year. So it's right on the cusp awesome. there. So if you have friends, tell them to go to the game. Um, so they can go to this I'm game. One well. come all. That's right. Uh, the LA Galaxy, 7.30 p.m. on Saturday, April 23rd against Nashville SC coming to Dignity Health Sports Park for the very first time. Uh, your TV time, so your TV uh, uh, station is going to be Spectrum Sportsnet. If you can't watch it on Spectrum, you're going to get it on LAGalaxy.com as but well. But you can watch it on Spectrum. I, I was, I was, <laughs> I mean, you know, I know, but it's still, just, it's still, it's still you guys though on LAGalaxy.com. They take that feed. Oh, so it is? Yes, yes, yes. It's, cool, it's you guys. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, trust me, they didn't they didn't have some other team out there like, you know, broadcasting team do it. So they I take yours. I'm not a narcissist. No. I just want to be I want, you know, as many fans to become acquainted with our storytelling too, right? Kobe right. and Joe are fantastic. Um, amazing and and you all do a wonderful job and and that's always been great um for that. My my issues with Spectrum are completely different than the talent that you guys have and you know that. I I've, okay, I've, I've sure, expressed that Josh. too. <laughs> I I ate one of his papooses one time. Don't that, let anybody tell that, you. That was it. That's personal. all it takes. That's all it takes. So you steal one of my pupusas. If I don't get a hat, it will be personal. I just I will yeah. pay for the hat. I just need a pupusa hat, please. Yeah. Um, most important <laughs> thing to come on Saturday for me. Uh, absolutely. Um, all right. I think that about does it. Uh, LA Galaxy versus Nashville SC coming up on Saturday, 7.30, 7.38 kickoff time. Spectrum Sportsnet, LAGalaxy.com. Nikki, anything else that you want to talk about? Are we good? Oh, thank you so much for having me on. And I'm going to demand to be on more throughout this season. I had so much fun listening to this podcast, all the personalities, all the takes. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be here. And it, it's going to be a really fun season. I, I'm excited. It, it, it very well uh, should be. All right. Uh, Nikki, tell people where they can find you and uh, we'll get on out of here. On Instagram, I'm lil.nikki.k. Same on TikTok, working on the TikTok game. But a lot of Galaxy content coming your way. And Twitter, NikkiKSN1 for Spectrum News 1. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Nikki, for coming Say on. Say hi to me at games, please. I love that. Yeah, wave to Nikki. She's she's yeah. nice. Uh, I got to meet her in person for like the first time like two weeks ago. So uh, <laughs> even though we talk a whole bunch and, and do all that stuff. So uh, for sure, follow Nikki on Instagram, do all that stuff. Uh, Twitter, uh, TikTok, all that fun things. Make sure you do that. If you look for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can find all of our articles, all of our videos, podcasts, anything that we have, press conferences, all that stuff gets thrown up there on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Like the video, subscribe, uh, go to podcasts, subscribe there, tell your friends, tell your family, all that stuff. We'll see you out at the game on Saturday. For Miss Nikki K, I'm Josh. 
Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.